So there's been a few hiccups in the service so far. Hopefully, that's going to be the end of the hiccups, but we'll see. I haven't got the hiccups, so that's one thing. Um, It is John chapter 8 that we're looking at, and this is continuing our series of the great I am statements that Jesus made about himself. So a couple of months ago now, we started off the series looking at how the most profound thing about all these statements, these I am statements of Christ, is that he's claiming the divine personal name of the living God, the God who uh, was at work and made himself known through the Old Testament of the Bible, through meeting with his prophets and with individuals and through mighty works, and he appeared as the I am, uh, which is Yahweh in the original Hebrew, which means I am. It's this ever-present, eternal, personal name of the living God. And Jesus takes this name for himself. So he says, I am God, I am God. But he goes further, and he explains this name further by saying such things. So about a month ago, we looked at how he says, I am the bread of life. And today, we're going to be looking at this wonderful statement, I am the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I find it amazing that the living God, how in Noel's prayer made us consider just how unsearchable God is, how incomprehensible he is to us. And yet, when he shows up, when Jesus shows up and says, I am the living God, he, said, he explains himself in such simple and clear ways. This unsearchable, incomprehensible God speaks in a way which children can understand. He says, I am the light of the world. So hopefully we can get to know what Jesus is saying here, that God can speak to us uh, in these words, explaining who Jesus is. Now, it's very simple. And there's four things, really. The first is about the significance of the word world, and then three on the word light. So firstly, this is just a short, a short um, thing that we need to understand, that Jesus says he is the light of the world. Because though Jesus is called the Messiah, he was the promised one who would come from the people of the Jews, the Jewish nation, He is rightly called the Holy One of Israel. But Christ is not just a light to the Jews. It says he's the light of the world. And there's that passage in Isaiah chapter 9, which most people probably read each year at Christmas, saying, um, a light has dawned on the Gentiles, on the nations. And this Jesus uh, says, I am the light not only of the Jews, but for the whole world. A light for all humanity. And it's like the sun, isn't it? There's just one sun in the sky, but it gives light to the whole earth. And Jesus is called the son of righteousness. He is the light of God, the one and only true light to all people. That's what he's claiming, because it's of the world. And so whoever we are, if we're a member of planet earth, then Jesus is rightly our light. That's what he's saying. So it doesn't matter. There's no distinction between people. It doesn't matter how wealthy we are. It doesn't matter how good-looking we are. It doesn't matter what country we're from or what language we speak. Jesus is the light of the whole world. And there's three things about 
light, which is true of light and has significance what Jesus is saying. They're easy to remember. So light conquers, light is good, and light reveals. See if you can remember them, and then that will help you find your way through what I'll say. So firstly, light conquers. It's a common theme throughout all of history, in philosophy and in mythology and in fiction. In all these different ways, there always seems to be this battle or struggle between the forces of good and the powers of evil. You find that, don't you? And pretty much in every story we read or watch, there's this struggle, whether it's an internal struggle with one person or an external struggle with nations maybe, but there's always this dynamic between good and evil, right or wrong. But it's often described in the metaphor of light and dark. The light is always good and the dark is always bad. Maybe you know of an anomaly, but I presume it's the exception that proves the rule if it is. But It's consistent that light is always good and dark is always bad. And maybe the most well-known metaphor of this is Star Wars. I'm very much looking forward to the new Star Wars movie coming out. So in Star Wars, you have the Force, which you have the light side, which there is a light side, I checked, but it's usually just called the Force. And then you have the dark side with Darth Vader and all the baddies on. And there's this struggle, and they're like evenly matched forces pitted against each other, and you don't really know which one's going to win. So the light side and the dark side, they're like equal in power. But that's not the case in reality, is it? That's not the case at all. There's no epic battle between light and dark, just in nature in general. Because we all watch the battle of light and dark every day, sometimes a few times a day. But when the sun rises... There's no contest, is there? We don't suddenly rush to our window and peer out the window anxiously, wondering whether light has won again or whether the sun has risen and darkness has just won today. There's just no contest, isn't it? Just by the arrival of light, darkness disappears and is defeated. Light always conquers. It's the nature of it. We could do it now if... We could with these lights, but they can't really be switched on and off. But we would see. It would be pretty arbitrary because we all know. But as soon as you switch the light switch on, the light overcomes the darkness. Simple as that. Really simple. But what Jesus is saying is that I will conquer. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. The first thing we must understand is that Jesus has complete authority, hands down, no contest, between him and the mightiest powers in the whole of the universe. Jesus conquers perfectly and completely because he's called the light of the world. There was a guy who was being controlled by a whole army of evil spirits. He was a terrifyingly powerful dark force. If, the, if you could ever think of the powers of darkness, then this is probably going to be up there. This guy full of a whole army of unclean, evil spirits. And he lived in isolation in a graveyard because he'd been driven away and shunned by his friends and family. And people tried to contain him by binding him, his arms, and shackling him. But because of his supernatural strength, they'd just tear them off. 
It's a fearful thing, this poor guy. And he was tormented. He would cry out and cut himself. It was probably full of bitterness, anger, and self-loathing. You can't imagine the torture his life must have been. And Jesus Christ was on a boat heading towards where this guy lived. So we have the light of the world heading towards this force of darkness. Now, if this were a film, you would imagine, I don't know, some very tense music, and you would expect a, a really big, epic fight about to occur. But that's not what we see at all. Because there's no nail-biting ending. Maybe you know the story in the Gospels. But when the light of the world, sh- when the light of the world shows up, the darkness is instantly and completely defeated. Jesus just steps ashore, and this poor guy, full of these evil spirits, but this, this man runs towards him and doesn't fight with him, but he falls on his face. And the spirits within him plead for mercy. There's no contest whatsoever. The light shines, and the darkness flees, is defeated. But this promised one, Jesus Christ, who is spoken of throughout the Old Testament, he was promised to crush the powers of darkness. That was his purpose in coming, to conquer. He is seen in the, as a conquering king. But not who would just conquer earthly powers, but to conquer spiritual realms. So what Jesus came to conquer wasn't just the Roman Empire, but Satan, the devil. He, he would crush Satan's head, but more so he would remove sin from the world, and he would defeat death. These three enemies of God and his people, Satan, sin, and death. And Jesus came to conquer all three of them. And we've already said how how easy it is for light to conquer darkness. It shows up and it's done. But it's striking, actually, how Jesus' victory, the climax of where he conquers, wasn't easy at all because the light of the world stepped into the void and he conquered through the death he had on the cross. We saw... The eclipse, or maybe you saw the eclipse, I had to watch it on catch-up to see it. But this phenomenal event where the moon passes in front of the sun and darkness, because the, the natural light of the world, the sun, is covered in darkness, covered up by the moon. But that happened at the event, historical event, where the Son of God was crucified. The earth was covered in darkness. And it's to say that this is the light of the world being eclipsed and being consumed by the darkness. This is a supernatural event. Whenever is light consumed by darkness? What has gone wrong here is turning the whole world and what we know on its head, isn't it? What we might think is, we might think that when Jesus dies on the cross, it's just full of weakness and full of shame. But actually, it's the perfect wisdom and power of God at work. It wasn't a disaster for God, but it was according to his perfect plan. Because by his wisdom, 
death itself would be defeated through this person who is called life, who is the light of the world, dying. Sin was atoned for by this pure and perfect person who had never sinned to become sin for us and die in our place. And Christ conquered Satan by being crushed himself, by being murdered. So we see these, this darkness is conquered actually in a, in a difficult way by the light itself being consumed. Jesus' last words in the gospel according to John are though, it is finished. It is finished. That's what he said. Not I am finished. That's what you and I would say in that situation. But he says, it is finished. That's to say, he won, all is accomplished. His dying breath was to say, I've conquered. Turns our world upside down, doesn't it? He conquers through his death. But this was vindicated and proved that this victory had taken place because Christ was raised from the dead on the third day. The grave could not hold him, Peter says in his sermon in Acts. So Jesus perished on the cross, but he was raised imperishable into life beyond death, beyond the powers of Satan and beyond sin, into a new kind of life. Isaiah the prophet wrote hundreds of years before Jesus would come to do this. He said this, and he, that's Jesus Messiah, will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. What mercy is shown by that? He didn't come, come to earth and conquer to prove his might, to big himself up, but he did it so that he could wipe away our tears. He conquered for us. He swallowed up death by being crucified for us. And Paul the Apostle comments on these verses, saying how Christ's victory becomes our victory if we belong to Christ. He says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So Christ has conquered Satan, sin and death. But the question remains, isn't it? Has he conquered us? He's gone through hell and back for us, literally dying on the cross and enduring hell for us. But he still needs to conquer us. There's an amazing picture of what it is to become a Christian in the Old Testament, where this chap called Jacob ends up wrestling with God himself. And what happens is he fights with God and loses. That's a picture of what it is to become a Christian. It's for Christ not only to conquer the enemies of darkness, but to conquer us, to humble us, and to save us. But if we come to him, if we belong to him, if he conquers us, his victory over darkness becomes our victory. And so no matter what happens in our lives, we can, as it were, be marching triumphant in our life. 
So it says this elsewhere in the Bible. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long and we're regarded as sheep to the slaughter. Pretty horrendous situation, isn't it? But he says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Why? Through him who loved us. Through him who loved us, that's Jesus Christ. Not only Christ has the victory, but we have the victory also. So light conquers. Light is good as well. Light is good. It goes without saying, really, doesn't it, that light is good. The light from the sun brings warmth. I enjoy just lying on a beach or in the garden with the, enjoying the sun. And it's good in that kind of way, but it also brings life. The light that it brings brings freedom. We can know things because we can see them. And it brings comfort as well. Our association of light with goodness and evil with darkness, it runs deep within us, doesn't it? And I suppose that's why it always crops up in stories throughout history. But on the other hand, something that we all, me especially, need frequent reminding of is that God is good. God is good. Jesus is the light of the world, and the simple yet profoundly, uh, profound aspect of this is that Jesus is good. Jesus is really good. Maybe it's because our lives can be so confused at times, we can wonder what is the purpose of it all. And maybe if we go through a particularly rough patch in life, we can start to doubt God's goodness. But Jesus is utterly, absolutely good. Elsewhere in the Bible, he's called the son of righteousness. Righteousness is like perfect perfectness. It is filling full the law of God, which is summed up in love. Jesus is good in so many ways. It emanates from him. It's like he glows with kindness. It's like he radiates just goodness and grace. He isn't good in a holier-than-thou way which is distant and untouchable. But when we look at Jesus, he is close. He, he comes near the needy people. He reaches out and pours out blessing on those who don't deserve it. Jesus Christ is the embodiment of faithfulness. He says he will never leave you nor forsake you. He's never self-serving, but he's always giving he is the good God. That's what it means, or an aspect of what it means, that he is the light of the world. And some people can become suspicious of God, can't they? You can think that there's some sinister reason that God does what he does. But God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. There's no ulterior motives in him. The very essence of God is light, is purity and holiness. And so the further you search and get to know God, the further you delve into the mind of God through reading the scriptures that are revealed to us, we don't discover skeletons in the closet. 
but we just see more and more the unfathomable depths of pure love and goodness that God is. And so it's a simple truth, but we need reminding that God is good. And especially if all sorts of things are going on in your life, have this as an anchor to your soul, that God is good. And thirdly, light reveals. And Christ reveals the Father. Jesus says in our passage, if you knew me, speaking to the the Jewish leaders, if you knew me, you would also know my Father. Jesus is called the radiance of the glory of God. The radiance of the glory of God. That's in Hebrews chapter 1. It's, it's a picture of the Trinity, the glory of God, this Father who is the source of life. He beams out, radiates this person who is light, his son Jesus. Think again of the sun in the sky. When you look at the sun with your eyes, what are you seeing? You see the sun, yeah, but you're seeing the light come from the sun. It's the sun streaming down, the light streaming down from the sun that you see the light and its sun the sun and its light are inseparable and it's like that with God the father and God the son Jesus when we look at Jesus in the bible we are looking at the living god he reveals the true and living god he is the image of the invisible god no one has ever seen god the only god who is at the father's side he has made him known. Maybe the clearest part of uh, the Bible about this is a couple of chapters later. A few more I am statements of Jesus puts it this way. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him. And have seen him. So there it is. We look at Jesus and we're brought to the Father. He reveals the Father, illuminates him. And many people go about life looking for God or philosophizing about what he's like. And so, so many people come to the conclusion he's unknowable. Why should I bother? Or I'm not sure there even is a God. And yet, on the other side, there's so many different religions that we can think, which is the true religion? Or is there even such a thing as truth? But in amongst all of this, Jesus turned up. He stands up and says, look at me. I am the light of the world. I reveal the true and living God to me. Don't go guessing by yourselves. Look at me and see God for who he truly is. If you know me, you know my Father also. But time and time again, throughout the Bible, humanity is described as being blind. That's not physically, but spiritually blind. It's to say that we don't naturally see reality, the spiritual reality. However, Jesus shines on us and in us, and he opens people's eyes spiritually. He wakes them up to see the reality of God. That's how he reveals the Father to us.
And all this is bound up in what we call the Trinity. But as we look at Jesus, we're shown the Trinity. And that sounds very complicated. I don't want to confuse you. But Jesus explains it, this amazing truth, which in some ways is beyond our understanding. But Jesus explains it like this. I am the light of the world. That's a Trinitarian statement right there. Because Jesus is the Christ, which means he's full of the Spirit, and he's the Son of God, meaning he's always and forever receiving his life and his identity from his Father. That's what it means that Jesus is the light of the world, revealing God to us. So we aren't to be suspicious of God. But we look at Jesus, we look at how good he is, and we consider that he is the one who reveals God. And so it's not just that Jesus hasn't got any hidden motives, but as he perfectly reveals his Father, there's nothing in the whole of God, the living God, that has any shadow in him. Jesus is good and he reveals his Father. But Christ also reveals reality. So he doesn't just show us the Father and the Holy Spirit, although that is amazing. That is phenomenal. But he also switches the lights on, as it were, to to the world around us, to see things as they truly are. So just by when the sun shines down, we can look at the sun only, couldn't we? And say, oh, the sun's there. And we can consider the sun for the rest of our lives. Or we could look around and the light from the sun illuminates everything in the world. And it's like that with the light of the world. He, he opens our eyes to everything that's around us. And being in the dark is scary, isn't it? I should mention this. I used to be afraid of the dark. I wonder how many people were afraid of the dark. Maybe some people still are. But it's because my imagination would run wild all the possibilities that might be in the dark. Usually some kind of monster trying to get me. But Jesus reveals what's around us. And as he lights up what's around us, he dispels all the unknowns as well. But without Jesus, we are all in the dark. We are only guessing what things mean. So the positive aspect that Jesus is the light of the world is that if we don't know Jesus, then we're in the dark. But Jesus does switch the lights on, so we finally see things as they really are. We see what is really good and what is really bad, so it's no longer what I think is good and bad. I receive it from what Jesus reveals is what is good and bad. It also puts things into their proper perspective, into their proper context. So something that we used to think was really important, we might put it in a different priority when we know Jesus. It causes a revolution in our lives. It turns our lives right side up, and we can know the truth. So Jesus reveals the Father and the Holy Spirit to us. He reveals the world around us, but he also reveals us. It's sometimes harder to be in the light than it is to be in the dark, isn't it? Sometimes it's scarier to be in the light than it is to be in the dark. And especially when we consider this, that Jesus doesn't just 
show every, bring everything else out into the light, but he also reveals who we truly are. And it can be diff- difficult to take it in when we look at ourselves in the cold light of day, as it were. I'm a notoriously messy person. Some of you probably already know this. Uh, but growing up, my room was always an absolute tip. It was. And if you come round, there's usually at least one room that is still an absolute tip. But it wouldn't matter so much if it was just in the dark. They say that, don't they? If it's out of, out of sight, out of mind, just hide it away, just switch the lights off. Usually hide it from my mum so she didn't have to see. But I'll keep it in the dark. I, I knew the mess was there, but if I can't see it, I'm not confronted with it, and I wouldn't have to do anything about it. But when the lights are switched on, of course, you are confronted with it. And Jesus comes and switches the lights on in our lives and in our hearts. And the truth is that I'm an absolute mess. Because it shows what was hidden. It shows what I've been thinking. It shows the shameful things I've done. It shows the things that I know I should have done, but I failed to do. It shows how I've failed in so many ways. And it also shows how I've worshipped and cherished things that I ought ought to have, I shouldn't have. An American pastor called John Piper puts it this way. He says, imagine this. As long as you can remember, you've lived in this darkened room. And you spend your time there just uh, caressing your most prized possession, the thing that you really cherish. And it's this ornate brooch, you know, that kind of jewelry that you might wear. I don't know if you wear a brooch. But you have this brooch, and it's the thing that you love dearly. And you have it in the dark with you, and you'd feel how smooth it is and how cool it is against the touch. And then one day, someone comes and switches the lights on. And you look down to admire the thing that you love, this brooch. And in your hands, you're holding a cockroach. The lights get switched on, and you see things for what they truly are. And some of the things that you once cherished are now hideous to you when, they're reve- when it's revealed to you what they are. Now, I'm sure you've got shudders now, and you're feeling pretty rotten, but there is good news in this, because Jesus switches the lights on in our hearts, but he not only reveals what's in them, but he transforms them. His light transforms us. If this weren't the case, we might assume that God just wants to to show us who we are so we'd feel really guilty and get our act together. But the truth is that Jesus does humble us by showing us who we are, but he conquers our fears and he's good and gentle and kind despite our mess. And he himself makes us clean. He transforms our hearts by the work of his spirit. Again, Paul the Apostle puts it this way. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Paul the Apostle is pointing us back to the very first moment in creation. Some of the most famous words in the Bible. Because... In the first instance, the earth was formless and void and full of darkness and full of chaos. And then God said, 
let there be light. And there was light, and it was good. And so before Jesus comes, our hearts are like the world as it was. It was in darkness, and in the darkness there's chaos. But then God says, let there be light. Jesus shines as the radiance of the glory of God. It not only reveals what's hidden, but it gives life. It transforms. It provides hope, turns chaos into peace, and changes our hell into heaven. Of course, once we've seen what's in our hearts, once we've seen maybe that cockroach there in our hands, we're going to get rid of it. We, we want rid of it. And so... As, as we are illuminated by the light of the world, we do need to turn away from the shameful acts that we once lived by. And we now want to live according, accordingly to living in the light, honoring Christ in all that we do and following him as our saviour and as our Lord. So Jesus is conquered. Jesus is altogether good. Jesus reveals who God is reveals the world around us and he reveals who we are and he is ours because he's the light of the world. Jesus is the great I am, the light of the world.